listening to Conversations with Shonda, a podcast and event series hosted by Shonda Smith-Baker. Today, we have the Lynx coach, Cheryl Reeve, and one of the players, Nafisa Collier. Now, after this recording, Coach Reeve won the 2020 WNBA Coach of the Year Award. We want to congratulate her as she becomes the third coach in league history to win the award three times. And stay tuned, because in the next episode, we will be featuring the Timberwolves coach, Ryan Saunders. I hope you enjoy the show. I appreciate um, you, Coach Reeve, and uh, Nafisa Collier for being on the podcast. The league has been really masterful in terms of weaving in social justice into the games. And um, at the beginning of each quarter, and it's like you're being really intentional in terms of what you're wearing, how you're presenting. First off, like, I could not be more inspired by that. Um, and then secondly, I'm really curious on what has the fan response been? Yeah, I think it's been so impressive uh, the way that the league has coordinated. You know, the Players Association, the league have been collaborating for more than a year now. We had a big CBA to negotiate. And then obviously, um, you know, what we, you know, what we want uh, our league to be about, um, you know, it's more than basketball. It always has been. Uh, and, and so the courage it takes, the strength it takes uh, to be great at what we do on the court, but then also stand for those that don't have the voice that we have. Um, and then I think that um, there are, there's a, a section of people and there's a lot of them uh, that, that think that, you know, this is politics and we should keep politics out of sports. Um, and uh, I don't know why uh, civil rights are, are politics. Um, mm-hmm. That means, you know, civil rights are for everyone. Uh, politics is about Democrats and Republican fighting over, uh, you know, what we do with our tax dollars and, you know, and, and specific plans. It's not about uh, fighting about, you know, equal rights that are you know, defined in the Constitution. So, uh, you know, like these said, you kind of question those people. Uh, those are the ones that we're talking about that are, you know, uh, lying in the sand and we don't want it rammed down our throats. Um, well, you know, when, when for centuries people, uh, you, know, you know, when people say the system's broken, well, the system uh, was never right. Uh, uh, to begin with. And so, you know, we, we have a generation uh, around the world. This is not just uh, localized here in America. This is around the world that we are recognizing. Um, this isn't about blaming someone for slavery. This is about saying we want to fix the wrongs. We want to move forward and we need to be able to have recognition in the ways in which we have marginalized the black and brown communities, right? Police brutality is a massive way, right? There's but the criminal justice system is a whole nother element. There is so much that we could get into. We can talk about lending with banks. And uh, I mean, there's just so much that we have not changed. And for those that don't want to hear it, like be said, too bad, uh, because we have to shine the light. That's a responsibility of leaders. And that's what we uh, define ourselves to be leaders in our communities. Yeah, I love it. And reflecting on conversations that I've had with leaders or people in, in positions, people that are working in community, um, that care about the community that say, you know, I don't have a complete handle on this issue. Like, I want to get informed because I want to do more. And um, I think that, you know, trying to be perfect and, and understand all the history and the complexity of it has hampered people from just kind of getting in the game, if you will, and just you know, being for civil rights and standing for um, the end of um, police uh, interactions with our communities that aren't 
upholding what that 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 responsibility should include. And so um, I imagine that, um, Coach, you did not have everything figured out, but you still were willing to kind of get in there and use your platform and lend your voice. Is that right? Like, can you talk a little bit about your evolution? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been coaching in the WNBA since 2001. Um, I would say my experiences prior to that, um, in terms of, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you don't quite, you think you know how the world works and you got everything figured out when you're younger. Right. Um, but the older you get and the more experiences that you gain, the more people that you meet from, you know, a variety of backgrounds, you start to really understand things, um, and what it means to be marginalized and the ways that we do it. Um, you know, the, obviously the biases that exist, um, you know, so, um, you know, I would say for me, it was just listening, hearing, uh, and then, then, you know, going, you know, I'm going to see the history of this and, and, and watching things, reading things. Uh, I'm really big. I'm listening. Shonda, you sent me that, um, great podcast of, uh, 16 shots, the, um, you know, Laquan McDonald situation in Chicago. There is so much in that podcast. Literally, if someone just listens to that podcast, there's so much to unpack there is. in that. It is unbelievable. And I so appreciate you sharing that with me. And uh, I have listened to that uh, in my time in the bubble. I told you I walk. Yeah. Uh, and, and I walk and I, I have steam coming out of my ears. And I think about uh, how much we have to tackle. Uh, and so I think what we try to do, just like we do, like if I'm, uh, you know, with our team, if I look up and I look out, it's pretty daunting. When you think about all that you have to do, all the things you want to be good at, all the ways you want to lead and put people in the right position, it can be pretty daunting. So all you can do is, is focus on the day-to-day, you know, what, what you do day-to-day and in those tasks and, you know, as players uh, being focused on winning a drill, uh, that's what you can focus on to create um, a direction, a meaningful direction. Well, it's the same way uh, in life that, you know, there's so much to change that literally it's so overwhelming that you just kind of go, it feels like nothing can get done. Uh, and that's where, you know, Glenn Taylor's comment about the the baby steps of being laser focused and intentional about, you know, something that you can actually um, enact change with uh, and how to do it. Uh, and that's all I've tried to focus on and, and, and use my voice. Um, and regardless of uh, what, what backlash there might be, um, you know, like Fee said, you know, there's some people that you're not going to be able to change. And those are the ones that uh, you know, that, that leave the comments, uh, you know, either on a, a, a links story in the Star Tribune or uh, on, on social media accounts, um, you know, that act as if they were fans in the first place. I suspect they weren't. Uh, we're black women. I suspect that they weren't uh, fans in the first place. So, uh, but you just deal with that. Uh, you, you know, that comes with the territory. When you have the courage to use your voice, that's what happens. Yeah, well, I can say like watching um, you and your leadership is is like a master class, right? Like because you're you're encouraging um, leaders, you're you're leveraging your sort of platform to increase the platform of others, and I do think that that is so much about leadership. So thank you for what you're bringing um, to our communities um, and how you're leading and and showing all of us. Um, and I would I would say even the MBA. <laughs> How to, how, to, how to lean in. Nafisa, you come from a family of leaders. Um, and, you know, I was really impressed. And I see, um, I think it was your grandfather. I, I see this amazing picture in this library a couple of days before Kennedy was, was killed. 
um, making negotiations and doing this work. And, you know, I also come from a family that um, really was, um, took their responsibility and their service to communities seriously. And I'm curious on how um, that shaped you and has prepared you to kind of take on this broader sort of platform and activism. Yeah, um, it's something that it's kind of weird because it's always been a part of my family. So I didn't realize growing up really the impact and how important it was. It was just, um, it just was. And it was stories my dad would tell me. I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. Like, that's really cool that he did that. It's like, oh, grandpa's, you know, it's just, and then it's like, you get to like this point of in your life and things going on in the world and you really realize how important, how meaningful and how impactful it was, the things that he did. Um, and it's like, you have to call on those stories from your childhood. And my dad would tell me those stories and um, it's just like how brave and it's just really cool to do that. So to the fact that I have that in my family, um, it makes me even more want to do this to carry on kind of that legacy to be like, it, it didn't stop with you. We're still doing the things that you were still doing back then. We're still trying to step up and speak up in our own, in our own way and um, to be brave ourselves. So it's really cool to kind of have that in my family and it makes me want to do that now even more. And do you ever think about um, a couple of generations from now, like your relatives looking at your leadership and the documentation of how you're leading right now and how that might influence them? Do you ever think about it in that way? I don't think about it as me personally, but I do think about just in history what it's going to look like. And I like I feel so proud that I'm a part of this league and especially this year in particular of dedicating our season to this and we are in such a crazy time. I mean, the year of 2020 alone, this has been going on for a long time, but specifically this year, everything has kind of just come to a head and blown up. And um, I'm really proud that I can say that I did what I could to be a part of the change in this time that we're in, um, because it is going to be in history books and you are going to look back and say, what did you try to do to help or make a change? Um, so I am proud that I am a part of this league that's actively doing something to, for the better. Yeah. The other thing I thought about with you, so, um, is that, you know, I'm, I'm older than you and I did not grow up with kind of these images of these shootings and the way that your generation has. And, um, you know, Michael Brown happened, I think not that far from where you were living in 2014, but you're also with social media, and I don't know how much you're on it, but certainly, regardless if you are or not, you're hearing about these these cases, um, Brianna Taylor, um, and, and, you know, really proud to see some of the, the, the settlement that happened with her family yesterday, but I'm, I'm curious how being from a generation where these images are normalized in some way do you think, you know, do you have any thoughts about how that might have shaped you as well? It's, um, it's really hard to see that because I think before, like you said, you hear about it and, you know, like the really bad ones you see in the news, but you never see it in the act of happening. You never see them actually being shot, having their necks sat on, you know, the, being beaten. You don't really see that as much before and you see it all the time. And the fact that, you can even say it's normalized, it's sickening because we're seeing it so often. And it really does just make me sick to my stomach when I see those. It's so hard to watch and I don't want to, but you know, I kind of force myself to, so I don't get used to it. I don't just scroll past and I see that this is still happening. And 
these are the only, these are the ones we're only catching on tape. Imagine what happens when they're not being recorded. And this has just happened in the past couple of years when we're recording like this. Imagine what happened before where things were worse. So um, I think seeing that is really impacted us, but changed us for the better because we see that it's not just an ambiguous thing happening. We're seeing it happening live, not live, but, you know, recorded. And it just makes it a lot more real and it makes us want to kick it into gear even more to make a change. Mm-hmm. Coach, you talked about, um, you know, some of the other issues that um, we're facing communities. So there's criminal justice, there's the disparities that we have in education. There's so many things that are happening that run down this racial line that should be just um, a basic human right, right? To go to school, to get health care, to have a place to live, right? To have enough to eat. How do you see weaving activism moving forward? And what issues do you think that you will really focus on? Well, I'd love to, to you know, as we partner with the Minneapolis Foundation, I, I would love to uh, be more involved uh, directly with communities, so more intentional. Uh, I use this example. I, I uh, going through a home remodel and uh, was getting a mortgage, and um, I've been very intentional in my life about, about where I put my money. Uh, again, that was probably more the last decade. Prior to that, you kind of you don't really understand your own economic power, your individual economic power. It may feel like it's only five dollars to Chick Fil A, uh, but you know, or, or whatever, you know, whatever corporation it is that you choose to, to take a stand on, um, understanding uh, how it all works. And so for me, um, actually, when the George Floyd situation hit, um, I, I said, you know, again, as I was uh, educating, um, when it came to lending, I thought, I'm about to give a lot of money, um, you know, to a, to a lender. I want to make sure that they represent what I would like to see in them. Uh, And so I said, hey, by the way, you know, before we move forward, please tell me uh, how you impact our local community with regard to your your the Fair Credit Act uh, lending um, and, and, you know, uh, your your rates. You know, you know that uh, a black family can apply for a loan for the same amount, have the same background versus a white family where they live could change the rate. Uh, and that that black families would play, pay more despite maybe their income being greater. They might be, you know, there's just a, a number of things. And uh, and it and it what I found was uh, actually through this was uh, the, the place I was going to partner with was exactly what I would hope. Uh, and so I want to partner with them to see can I do more. So not just in um, you know my transaction, but how can myself and that place? How can we do more? They outlined all the things that they do. I now want to be involved more in those things. And so if I could take that example and really spread that out and learn more about who's doing what and where my help is needed, it could be financial help. It could be my presence. Um, like you said, amplifying in some way uh, using uh, our platform. So um, we, there's much to be done. You know, obviously we're talking a lot about voting. Uh, for me, it's so it, like voting is really important, but I want to get, I want to take an even deeper dive uh, because it's, you know, Democrats have been a part of, of leadership because I think the implication is vote, <laughs> you know, I think it's mostly get, get Trump out, but, yeah. um, but somehow there's an implication that uh, the, the only Republicans cause these problems. That's simply not true. Um, you know, there's, you know, and I say this, um, uh, you know, that, that probably gets the most kind of, you know, where, where people kind of, their skin, you know, white men are at the root of a, a lot of the problems, right? 
Um, and so it doesn't mean I, I don't like white men. Um, it's more, we have to hold uh, white men more accountable um, to the, the wrongs of the past and how we move forward in the future. So as it pertains to hiring practices, uh, again, um, for me to be more intentional about my involvement, my own corporate, my own organization, uh, what can I do? So there's so much that we individually can do. And it might feel really small and it might take a longer than what you want to make change, but that's the fight that we all, uh, the unaffected. Um, I am so affected by the notion of the unaffected being affected. Um, that, is, that, that, that is how you get real change. Um, we are all affected by what's happening to our communities. And so the notion that the unaffected um, you know, bringing much greater awareness to who we mean when we say the unaffected and how we, um, you know, those that are uh, more privileged uh, can do more and have to do more. Uh, and that's, um, you know, that's my commitment, uh, especially locally in our communities. Mm-hmm. You talk about white men and I'm curious on, do you see what their role is in moving us forward? I do. I, I think they have a very defined role that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's been such a path for, for um, that demographic that um, they haven't been, um, when I say, held, a lot of it isn't intentional. Um, I, I, I see that uh, as it pertains to uh, women trying to gain equality, um, that I might share something with a man, either something that they said uh, that was, that I found to be condescending, condescending or a marginalization, and you bring it to their attention, I didn't realize. That's a lot of times what I get is I didn't realize. And so it is, there is an education process of saying, hey, you know, when you do this or you say this or when you dismiss this, uh, this is what it means. And so I think making sure uh, that we're educating and saying, okay, you know what, I really think we can do better in this way. Uh, and you hope that you, that you have uh, someone in that seat that's listening and feels a responsibility to be not just interested in doing better, but committed to doing better. Um, and, and so I think that's, um, you know, their role is great. Uh, I know when I talk about, um, you know, for, you know, obviously I'm immersed in uh, women's sports and, and, and uh, trying to empower women uh, and trying to reach equality. Men are a direct um, ally in that to make that happen. Um, you know, this is, this is about men wanting to share, wanting to share the power. And that's the root of the problem is exactly. that's, that's a difficult thing for many. <laughs> yes, it is. Isn't it? And I think Nafisa, you and I have both, um, the gender and, um, being women of color. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the number of times that, um, I may have been at a table where I felt like I felt either offended by what was said, what was said. Um, I felt like what was said wasn't representative of my experience in the, in the same community that they were speaking of. Um, and you know, making my, my attempt to like educate (laughs) in the moment. And then the consequence actually falls back on, on me. And, um, you know, I have um, been learning over my career and how to do that in a way that opens up the dialogue and not shuts it down. But I think that when you get when you get kind of put back in your place, you know, it's difficult to kind of get back up and and keep moving. And I just want to acknowledge that um, 
Nafisa, in your um, time in, in leadership and in your role, when you encounter sort of those moments, because I think it, it sometimes can feel a little bit easier to um, talk when you are part of a group that is committed to an issue. But when you're on these one-on-one conversations, sometimes it can feel a little bit uh, harder to, to take a stance. Um, what is your comfort level with that? And what advice might you have for people that are trying to figure out how to just be in the room different? Yeah, you talked about how um, you kind of had to learn and navigate how to do that. I feel like I'm still in that space, learning how to navigate and do that because a lot of the time, like that will happen and I feel like I don't like that, but I don't have the words to express why that's wrong, why I don't like it. And so something I've been trying to do is trying to figure out exactly why that bothers me and put it into words. So um, that's kind of, I feel like that space that you were in, I'm in now, just like, I know it's wrong. I know I don't like it. I know what they said isn't correct, but why do I feel this way? And like, how do I express to them that that's not right? So that's kind of like the chapter that I'm in is trying to put that into words and say like, I don't like that. Why did you say that? And kind of like coach was saying, like they didn't even realize, like it's hard for me to get to the next step to, because I understand why you didn't realize, but it's hard for me to explain to you why it was wrong kind of thing. So I feel like that's kind of the space that I'm in now. Yeah. Is it complicated by your age? Yes. Um, yeah. I, was, I mean, yeah. yeah, I guess I just don't have the experience with it yet as much. Uh, yeah. But it's definitely something that I want to try to change because, as you guys know, it's a terrible feeling. And you don't want to do that. And not being able to express why, I feel it just compounds onto why I'm frustrated about it. So it's a space that I definitely want to grow out of. Mm-hmm. If I could, if I could add to that, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of my 25 year old self. You're, you're 25, fee, 24. How old are you? 23. Okay, so my 23 year old self. Um, when I think about Nafisa and what the world she's growing in and the leadership role that she's taking on at the age of 23, um, you know, it, it, it's incredible. And and so I think fee allowing yourself that space. Um, you know, to grow, you know, into who you are and being pushed outside your comfort zone uh, at such a young age is, is going to be really impactful, I think, in your life as you, as you navigate that. The most important thing that I think that the thesis generation has uh, is courage. The courage that you're saying, I recognize, I hear it, I don't like it, and I'm going to find a way uh, to call it out, you know, so that, that, we, that I can help educate someone. Uh, that courage this generation has is empowering to someone like myself that came from being 23 and basically being silenced in every uh, possible way. Uh, you just were not permitted to talk about it. Now it's, uh, there's just so many ways that we can shine the light. And, and um, you know, I, I think that's a big responsibility for Nafisa at the age of 23. Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as we wrap, I know you guys need to, to go. I just want to just, you know, close and say, that that courage is, is it comes through. It, it's coming through in every moment. Like, you know, the the weekend um, that um, you all were taking a stance and ESPN was just nonstop with kind of footage. I mean, I was glued. I could not leave. And I just remember thinking, wow, I wish like when I was like 23 or whatever, 25, like that, um, that I was in, in a community of people that had courage, right? That um, the way that I'm watching that generation lead right now, 
um, is pushing me to think about, am I being bold enough? Am I, am I aligning myself? Like, you know, because there's moments of isolation that you feel in leadership, but you know, this idea of being part of a team, right? Like I'm envious of that by itself. Right. Um, (laughs) and, uh, but to be part of a team that is about something and being an intentional about who you surround yourself with, because strength does come in numbers. And um, I just want to be super clear that, you know, beyond just having really awesome games, the influence um, coach that you and this team and the WNBA um, and sports is having right now is, is historical, right? It's, it's going to be read about, it's going to be studied, it's going to be replicated And um, I just honor and thank you um, both for taking time to talk to me today. That's the Minnesota Lynx coach, Cheryl Reeve, Lynx player, Nafisa Collier, and Shonda Smith-Baker. You can follow Shonda on Twitter at Shonda S. Baker. This is Sue Pat Keenitz from the Minneapolis Foundation. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Shonda. 